What's going on guys? My name is Mateo. Welcome back to the channel. You know, one of the things about being in Monero is you gotta try to retain the schadenfreude, you know, because when you're in private cryptos, in a certain way, uh, yes, we love the fungibility. We think fundamentally Monero is a better crypto than Bitcoin and some of the other more popular ones. Um, and we think that private crypto is in and of itself superior because privacy is human right and all that stuff is uh, considerable. But, you know, when you see bad news and you see the financial surveillance expanding, when you see the tax state expanding, and look, we're not saying to evade taxes or anything like that. I am a tax advisor, accountant, etc. cetera. Uh, I always advise people to pay their taxes. Uh, but look, when the tax state expands its net and they write more code and they make it so that it's hard to escape uh, from the law, uh, well, they have to expand financial surveillance, which is exactly what we're going to go through today. There is a bill uh, called the Infrastructure Bill. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of it, which includes a provision that we're going to talk about today, which is going to make the crypto industry turn a little bit Soviet. I mean, you're going to have to report names and addresses and social security numbers to the IRS if you have transactions of over $10,000 in crypto, whether you're a sole proprietor, whether you're a corporation, whether you're a cryptocurrency broker, whatever. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And we're also going to talk about an article which had come out, which is one of many signs that I think people in Bitcoin are waking up. And this is so beautiful to see. We're in the second great crypto awakening. The first great crypto awakening was just crypto in general. I mean, it's like, whoa, Bitcoin, whoa, Ethereum, smart contracts, NFTs, just an explosion of creativity and an explosion of life in this sector, which, uh, uh, oh, I can't answer that right now an explosion of awesomeness that has happened in this new financial sector. Uh, but now that the crackdowns are happening, now that privacy is being stripped in the form of expanded tax surveillance and financial surveillance, just there's going to be a second great awakening for privacy. And we're seeing more of that in the Bitcoin community. And we're going to go through one particular article that I found called Why Crypto Messed Up with Privacy. And That'll be interesting to read. So I just wanted to give you guys an interesting open as to that. If you're new to the channel, uh, we love to talk about Monero. We love to talk about the Freedom Coin Covenant. Pirate Chain, Dero, Xano, uh, Haven. I never want to miss the Haven. But uh, yeah, so many great things happening in this space, guys. We're going to talk about private DeFi a little bit today, too. But first, we're going to read this article by Abraham Sutherland. And Abraham is a lawyer. He is somebody who is a rule of law advisor for the U.S. Department of State. So he knows a little bit about what he's talking about. He's a lecturer at the University of Virginia School of Law. And he's talking about how DeFi and the digital asset felony hidden in the infrastructure bill is going to be a problem for DeFi and everybody in these not private cryptos. And, you know, conventionally... Theoretically, everybody in crypto, but, you know, if you're in privacy coins, still comply with the law, but, you know, it might be harder to catch it. There is a proposal, and we're going to start the article, waiting for a final vote in Congress that is dangerous for digital assets and the industry thereof. It requires certain transactions to be reported to the government and makes failure to report them a crime. It's bad for all users of digital assets, but it's especially bad for DeFi. The statute would not ban DeFi outright. Instead, it imposes reporting requirements that, given the way DeFi works, would make it impossible to comply. 
And so either they're just going to outright ban the DeFi or the KYC is just going to go nuclear. Uh, but back to the article, this is not the so-called broker provision that attracted public opposition when the infrastructure bill was waiting to be approved by the Senate. And we talked about that in prior videos. I'll link one of them. But uh, this seems to be a more dangerous provision, according to this author here. This is a separate provision, an amendment to the tax code section 6050, and it requires certain recipients of digital assets valued at over $10,000 to report the sender's name, address, and social security number to the government. Right. Social security number. Think about that. So imagine you're a sole proprietor. You're not even an incorporated entity. And you do over $10,000 of transactions uh, or over a $10,000 transaction. I'm still trying to figure out whether or not this is aggregate, uh, an annual aggregate. I'm curious about that. Because that provision uh, that they wanted to sneak into the infrastructure bill or is going to be some kind of treasury initiative, it was going to make it so that if you had a transaction of over $600 coming out of your bank account or out of your uh, crypto exchange account or whatever, uh, that account would then be monitored. Okay. Uh, they then moved that back to $10,000 in annual aggregate. And then I think they got rid of that uh, provision. I think Joe Manchin said recently, that's not going to be part of the infrastructure bill. It's going to be written out. Great. Uh, at least we know they tried. Similarly with the unrealized capital gains things, we know they tried, which means that they're going to come back to try to do it again. We know their directive, right? But nevertheless, this is, uh, as far as I'm concerned, just one transaction. Uh, so maybe you'll see a lot of, you know, $9,999 transactions. But then again, it could be cumulative. But nevertheless, this is going to spook people. This is going to make people want to report stuff anyway. Uh, people keep receipts for crazy things. And I know people in private crypto who... Uh, keep track of their basis for gains and loss. And this is because people are just concerned about uh, the government coming after them. You know, the IRS has an infinite amount of money, basically. They have the weapons, they've got the guns. And if they want to go after you, you're not going to have a good time, which is why people hire people like me so that they could, you know, have that anxiety relieved. But yes, um, that's quite something. So let me read that again. An amendment to the tax code, section 6050, requires certain recipients of digital assets valued at over $10,000 to report the sender's name, address, and social security number to the government. Now, thankfully, that does include the crypto address that is being used. But then again, depending how specific the transaction is um, and the frequency with which you report these transactions and the information thereof, who knows, maybe they could look at the blockchain. Maybe they could determine, based on that information, which cryptocurrency address belongs to who. And then they could look at your balance. Then they could look at all the transactions that you've made. Then they could do deeper research and see whether or not you've paid all your taxes properly on all the transactions that are associated with that wallet. So this introduces significant privacy concerns on top of the privacy concern that this seems to already introduce. So that is something to definitely consider. So back to the article. The statute that's being amended was written in 1984. It's part of the tax code, but it's not really a provision. Uh, first, unlike all, over, all other IRS information reporting requirements, violations here are felonies. So it's harshly enforced. Um, 
Second, it does not simply add a reporting burden to the intermediaries already in the business of collecting and storing consumer data and customer data, such as stockbrokers or centralized cryptocurrency exchanges. It applies, it applies to all businesses. So all businesses are included, as we said before, even if you're a sole proprietor, an individual, unincorporated entity, etc., which can include individuals. Yep. In fact, the only businesses that are exempt from Section 6050 are, of course, the banks and the financial institutions. So, so you know who wrote that bill. Primary targets. Businesses are the ones that must file the report with the government. Uh, but the law's primary targets are the users of cash and now digital assets whose personal information gets reported. They say it's an anti-crime law. Governments use this to investigate suspicious activity. And who knows how this is ultimately going to be spun. Uh, Because as we know, the IRS has historically gone after political enemies. Uh, The IRS under Lois Lerner, uh, they targeted, and this was well documented, I think that there was convictions, uh, Tea Party groups and conservatives. And so maybe they consider just using crypto to begin with a quote-unquote suspicious activity, which then opens you up to investigation. Because, you know, suspicious, what do you consider suspicious? What are the parameters of that? Um, And, you know, banks, they file tens of thousands of suspicious activity reports, otherwise called SARS, every single year. And, you know, these banks that file these activity reports, um, like they have been convicted multiple times, like Deutsche Bank, like HSBC, for laundering millions of dollars for cartels, and for terroristas, and for other rather nefarious entities. But they get off scot-free, they pay a little bit of a fine, and they're done. Uh, And they probably launder money for many other, uh, you know, bad entities, right? Uh, But who knows? This could be selectively applied. That's something to note. But this is something interesting here. I want to focus real quick on this cash part. Um... There is another article written here by the Coin Telegraph by Brian Newer, and he says here that uh, he says the eight-word amendment in the bill includes "quote unquote" any digital asset in the definition of "quote cash." Okay, so they're defining crypto as cash. This is confusing to me because. Crypto, for the last number of years, has been considered a capital asset. Uh, If you are trading crypto on an exchange, for example, if you go from one crypto to another crypto, that is you selling property for the acquisition of other property. Now, you can't do a like-kind exchange in that manner, not to get too technical with the tax law, but um, that is you basically selling an asset, having to recognize either a capital gain or loss and the divulging of that asset. And that has certain tax implications, which makes it unlike cash because cash is legal tender. Uh, If you get rid of cash, you pay for cash for something. You know, you don't have to pay tax on the gain and the value of that cash because all gains, of course, are measured in cash. It's measured in dollars. That's not the case with crypto. If you buy, you know, Bitcoin at $10,000, you want to buy something, uh, and then your Bitcoin is worth $15,000 when you make that purchase, well, you got to report a capital gain of $5,000, and then there are going to be short-term or long-term capital gains taxes that you pay on that depending on how long you held the Bitcoin. 
uh, it, so that has with it certain regulatory overhead, which makes Bitcoin unreasonable to use as a currency versus cash to begin with, and you know include Gresham's law with that. It almost makes no sense to use Bitcoin uh, as a currency, and with all the ESG stuff going on uh, with corporations now, uh, they don't want to accept Bitcoin because. Bitcoin, as of now, is not considered, quote-unquote, environmentally friendly and therefore ESG-compliant, and that's why Tesla dropped Bitcoin. We'll get into that with another video. But now, they want to make it so that Bitcoin and these other cryptos are considered cash. So, is it going to be a capital asset, or is it going to be cash? I'm confused. Are you still going to have to calculate your gain on your crypto, even though it's considered cash? Because it's not going to be legal tender. But they're going to consider it cash in the context of this bill so that they could sniggle it into being uh, regulatory crosshairs for this regulation. So that I thought was quite something. So we'll see how that parses itself out in a court of law. Because I imagine there are going to be lawsuits everywhere in regards to this. We'll see how this turns out. But... uh, Back to this article, he says here, so a law written for face-to-face transfers of three-dimensional objects, namely physical currency, would now apply to receipts of digital assets. Another new law would define digital assets about as broadly as can be imagined. Quote-unquote, any digital representation of value involving distributed ledger technology. Now, I'm interested to see how that turns out because everything's being tokenized. We're going into the Internet of Things. And so uh, that's going to be interesting to note. Maybe everything gets included in this particular definition of cash, and therefore uh, any transfer of assets uh, over $10,000 has to be reported, and you're going to have to report the other person you're doing the transaction with to the IRS, similar to how an employer uh, you know, reports that information on their employee to the IRS or a contractor uh, that reports the... Uh, 1099 to the IRS if it's over $600. So, again, this is getting a little bit Soviet, you know, uh, if I make a transaction with you. We could both be just individual entities that want to make a transaction amongst each other. Um, Even if you have Monero, okay, if we know each other, uh, you know, we're both going to have to report each other. And even if we don't do that, there's going to be something in the back of our mind, which is just like, okay, hopefully he doesn't say anything because if he says something and I don't say anything, then I'm in trouble. But if I say something and he doesn't say anything, then he's in trouble. Maybe he thinks I'm going to say something, so he's going to say something. You know what I mean? So it introduces that prisoner's dilemma game theory type thing into this, which invokes fear now into crypto. Um, this is going to make the privacy sector look that much better because, you know, you could still use if, – if you were wanting to act criminally here, you could still use – and I'm not recommending this. Uh, caveats, caveats everywhere. I don't make any financial recommendations in regards to any of this. Uh, but, you know, you could use the dark web, and nobody's asking your personal information on there. Um and if they do, they're probably just going to flip it and sell it on another dark web marketplace anyway. But, uh, yeah, just that dynamic is going to be introduced to this, you see. So that's something to note if this passes uh, to be on the lookout for. So he makes an interesting point down here, too. 
He says, because transactions, quote unquote, include, quote, related transactions, as well as any number of payments resulting from related transactions, the $10,000 threshold captures the more than might first be apparent. Repayments on a $50,000 loan, for example, trigger the reporting requirement each time the cumulative payments received exceed $10,000. So that's just more that's being included in the net. Uh, in the course of the recipient's trader business, only businesses must file reports, but the vague judge-made trader business classification is broader than many think. Trading can be a business, even when engaged in by an individual. Right. And, you know, most exchanges of $10,000 is going to be for some business arrangement. Right. And if it's not, then you could theoretically consider it a gift, but then you're going to have to file a gift tax report to the IRS, particularly if it's over $15,000 because you're, you're limited as to how much you can give for gifts to somebody, which is insane, but it's a thing, trust me. Um, and then it says here, unless a federally regulated financial institution is already reporting the same transaction and personal information. Yeah, so pretty crazy stuff. And he talks about uh, DeFi being included in all of this. The application of this statute to DeFi raises special problems because if the duty to report is triggered, it requires the reports to include names, addresses, and tax ID numbers of the people from whom the digital assets were received. So if you're doing like atomic swaps or something like that, and the whole idea of an atomic swap is you don't know the person that you're atomically swapping with, hence you have this technology that makes it so either the transaction goes through under a certain set of parameters and circumstances, or it doesn't, right? It's a trustless transaction. And the reason why we like these trustless transactions is because we don't know who the other person is. And so if we have to get information on the other person, that's going to destroy the whole point of all this. <laughs> you know what I mean? So people aren't going to do this probably, but that's going to be part of the legislation now. It's going to be part of the law if it's over $10,000. So people are probably not going to they're probably not going to do this. And who knows what could happen? Maybe the Treasury, headed by Janet Yellen, ex-Central Bank head, by the way, ex-Fed head, uh, she is not friendly to crypto at all, at all. And she could just come out and say, you know what? If you can't comply with these regulations, then sorry, your DeFi project, uh, it's going to have to shut down. It's operating outside the law. Seriously. Who knows? Why couldn't that happen? And then you could say, oh, well, we're just going to move out of the United States. Okay. Janet Yellen hits up FATF, the Financial Action Task Force, which operates and gives financial anti-money laundering and KYC recommendations to over 130 countries and jurisdictions. They could say, hey, we have these recommendations. If you want to be part of the international financial system, you're going to accept these recommendations in your own country. And you're probably going to outlaw DeFi too if you want to uh, be in compliance. Could happen. And by the way, FATCA is going to play into this. If you don't know what FATCA is, it's the Financial um, Accounting Tax Compliance Act, I believe. Signed back in 2010. That makes it so that this won't just be a U.S. problem. 
This is going to be a global problem. This is going to have to be complied with by all financial entities all over the world. And so it's going to have to be applied by financial entities in regards to U.S. citizens. Maybe a lot of people revoke their U.S. citizenship over this. But look, if you do that, then you're going to have to pay exit taxes, which means, you know, you're not going to escape that way either. Because it's basically an unrealized capital gains tax. They want to tax you on your stuff before you leave, and it's pretty hefty. So how are you going to escape this is a good question. Um, and he talks a little bit about smart contracts here. Again, we've talked about the value proposition in our Dara video about uh, the necessity of private smart contracts because they're going to interlink smart contract technology with international tax code, uh, computer code, which is going to be interoperable with smart contract technology. And they're automatically going to render your tax liability and perhaps remit your tax payments, which is going to be interesting. Uh, and it says right here, Arguably, then, the quote-unquote person to be reported would be the decentralized exchange, which is not a legal person but a collection of smart contracts. Perhaps a report would be deemed in compliance if the decentralized exchange is listed, even though the entry would lack an address and tax ID number. More ambitiously, the recipient could argue that the non-existence of a quote-unquote person from whom the digital assets are received renders the transaction outside the scope of the statute. And therein, maybe the transaction is outside the scope of the law, right? Something to consider. But Ethereum is so connected, and Solana is so connected with like institutional investors who have close ties with the government that they're going to be able to finagle something out of this, in my opinion. But uh, like Ethereum is so not private. It's less private than Bitcoin because of their account-based model. And who knows? Uh, you know, the KYC, which could be coming your way if uh, this comes your way. So just consider that. But it is unreasonable to conclude that the existence of a smart contract would, as a general matter, defeat either the requirement to report the sender's personal information or ambitiously altogether remove the transaction from the reach of the statute. Yeah, so that's problematic. Again, Darrow comes into uh, play here, private smart contracts, which couldn't come faster, by the way. I mean, the thirst for a private smart contract technology, especially with homomorphic encryption, which is totally novel and new, uh, like there's a desperation for that right now because the Ethereum gas fees are through the roof. Solana's got its own issues with being pretty centralized. They had shut down for 17 hours. They had just flicked off. Uh, last time I read, so a functional smart contract platform is key. Private, super key, homomorphic encryption. And we've talked about the incredible uh, benefits that provides is just amazing. So I think Darrow's a pretty good play in this environment. But uh, yeah, so those are some comments about what's going on with this new bill. Yeah, and... People are coping. We can stop this. Contact your lawmaker, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, okay. You do that. How much did that work before? And this is Patrick Dugan. He's got some comments to make about this as well. We're going to offer some commentary because this seems to be a pretty big deal. We'll see if this passes. Uh, there seems to be some political division in regards to this bill. 
uh, just I mean, there's political division everywhere. Uh, the only time there isn't political di- division is when there's a, you know, civilization-ending war, or they want to, you know, expand the budget and the, uh, you know, the uh, debt ceiling or whatever. But check this out. He says, reading up on the IRS provision, sixty fifty inserted into the infrastructure bill set to pass in the House on Friday. In July, we made a huge fuss about the broker thing. This is a hundred times worse. Criminal felonies includes all individuals, all tokens, all mixing, all custody. So notice how he says mixing. We've talked about the problems with mixing on this channel. Okay, it can be identified. You can be noted as using a mixer. All of your Bitcoins can be tainted that came out of the mixer. And there are certain algorithms that could be deployed to figure out who's using a mixer. And then you can't deposit those on an exchange. Your Bitcoins are tainted. And... We talked about that a little bit with Arctic Mine, which, by the way, he wants to come back on the show. Arctic Mine, we love Arctic Mine. Genius. I mean, I have a big head because I have a big ego. He's got a big head because he's got a big brain, right? Um, but yes, mixing is going to be made illegal. Uh, and I think people have already been arrested for this because uh, of anti-money laundering stuff. But check this out. He says, taproot mixing, question mark, your hose. Do you become a felon for using wasabi? As we anticipated, if you use wasabi or Samurai wallet that has coin joining on there, you know, probably going to be made illegal. And if you have any transactions associated with addresses that are linked to Wasabi or Samurai, probably going to have tens of Bitcoins. Uh, mining pools that aren't docs, question mark, felony. NFTs over 10K, you go to jail. Programming payments and installments to keep sums under 10K, also a felony. Writing software, even some dot. JS app logic into the wallet to assist jail. Wake up, folks. This is not a drill. I only saw one person who is a mutual raising uh, alarm bells about this for months. Now Laura Shin covered it, and I read the thing. Wow, we are two days away from losing everything. Uh, who's we here? Are you two days away from losing everything? If you've been, have you been watching this channel? <laughs> uh, we're two days away from gaining everything. We love... I'm joking. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, we've seen this coming, have we not? Did you guys really think that the state was going to allow you to just have your own money and we're going to get off the system, make our own money, make our own economy, make our own financial system? Did you think they were going to just let you do that and get away with it? Did you not see what happened with Muammar Gaddafi in Libya when he was like, yeah, we're going to check out, we're going to use our own gold dinar. How about that? Boom, you got nuked. How about uh, Saddam Hussein over in Iraq when he was like, you know what? Screw you, Americans. We're going to start selling oil and euros. Boom, taken out. Like, we have gone to war to defend the dollar. You think that the American government isn't going to make a move on you guys? Come on. This is why we are in the positions that we are. We have seen this coming. They're going to make a move on the crypto industry. Either they're going to co-opt it and make it so that it works for their interests, works for their purposes, which is what we've seen with MasterCard, the Digital Currency Group. Uh, we have a series on this channel called the Crypto to, uh, the Crypto Coup d'Etat. We've done work on this. Uh, we've looked into all of the infiltration which seems to be happening with Bitcoin and with blockchain and crypto in general. Go check out those videos. We're not going to get into it now. Uh, Money Today Show, I'm going to give a shout-out to him. He's done fantastic work on this. Uh, and then... Uh, Either that's going to be the case or they're going to kill it, as Ray Dalio said. Ray Dalio came out. He's like, yeah, if Bitcoin ever becomes a problem to us, uh, the global financial elite, eh, we'll just kill it. 
and you don't think that uh, they have a methodology by which they can do that. He was on the investment advisory board at the Federal Reserve. He ran the biggest hedge fund in the world, one of the biggest asset managers in the world. You don't think that uh, he's clued into this? Of course he is. He understands how much the control over the money uh, is important. He knows how important that is to the people in power. Somebody once said, I forgot what his name was, but he said, give me control over a nation's money and I care not who makes its laws. Okay, They're not going to give up control over the money, ladies and gentlemen. They want control over the money. And we talked about this with Kevin Wad and the Body Anarchist in a recent video on Kevin Watt's channel. Uh, I'm going to ask Kevin if I can get the MP3 for that. Maybe I'll put it on the uh, Podbean uh, site. But that, that was a crucial conversation because there does seem to be some concerted effort to keep Monero down in the rank and keep Monero in the shadows. And one of the ways you do that is by pushing the price down, which is why we've seen a lot of shorts against Monero more than any other crypto out there. Uh, I mean, the shorts from Monero are twice as large as the longs, the positions. This is rather strange because you look at Bitcoin, you look at Ethereum, look at Cardano, you've got like 50 times the number of longs than you have shorts. But with Monero, it's like the complete opposite. What's going on? Well, we speculated in that video, but I think they see Monero as a real threat. I think they see private DeFi as a threat. I think they see the Freedom Coin Covenant as a major problem. But the Bitcoin bros and many people in different crypto parts of the world, like I, I don't think that they're totally clued in, but they're waking up as we're about to get into an article here in a sec. They're waking up to the fact that privacy is going to be really, really important. And as I've been telling you guys, we are way, way ahead of the curve. I promise you, I've been keeping you guys ahead of the curve. I told you unrealized capital gains tax were coming, not to be egotistical. Everyone thought we were like crazy for saying that. Then it happened. Or at least they tried to make a move, right? Uh, we told you that crypto is going to become kind of like a Soviet reporting system. That's what we're seeing here. Guys, I promise you, like Monero and Darrow, Parachain, etc., like Trade Ogre right here, Forget about coin market cap. Forget about Coinbase. Dude, Trade Ogre is the future. <laughs> like, I wish there was like a Trade Ogre coin or a Trade Ogre token or something like that. You know what I mean? You know, you've got like Binance token. You've got Qcoin token. Dude, if Trade Ogre came out with a token, I would just go all in on it. Like, I'm so bullish on all the coins here. Uh, not all of them, obviously. But, well, Turtle Coin. Is Turtle Coin still doing good? You guys remember we were uh, checking out Turtle Coin? A lot of potential there. It's probably in last place. I don't know what's happening with it. But anyway, um, like, yeah, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. We're so ahead of the curve. Anyways, don't rely on politics. Back to his tweets. We're two days away from losing everything. U.S. persons will become completely cut out. Residents and citizens. That's going to be significantly harder. Yes. Soon the only way a person born in the USA will be able to do, quote, unquote, anything and scale with these technologies without KYCing everybody or becoming a felon will be to A, leave, and B, operate with non-U.S. entity and ideally non-U.S. employees slash directors. Are you guys going to leave? I mean, you could try. You can go to El Salvador, uh, but then, of course, you're going to have to uh, comply with FACA. And who knows when FATF is going to come on the scene. Things to consider. Then we'll have to globally adopt some kind of decentralized minimal... KYC, that's coming. I mean, crypto going into KYC is as inevitable as the, you know, heat death of the universe. It's like the second law of thermodynamics. It's like 
inevitable. That's going to happen. You understand this, right? Uh, I, I don't see anything in the world happening to where we're going to get less KYC, especially when you look at the companies that the digital currency group is invested in. And you look at the fact that there's like a new data analytics firm coming onto the scene every day. Yeah. I mean, everything's moving towards surveillance and KYC for sure. For sure. Uh, we'll have a globally, we'll have to globally adopt some kind of decentralized minimal KYC with encrypted slash blinded POR. And we just turn our backs on U.S. persons. Rest of the world has spectrum of more financial freedom slash regulatory requirements. Do they? Does China? Does Turkey? Um, does Europe? Because last time I checked, Europe is working on making anonymous wallets illegal. Like you guys have read about that, right? They're making it so that every single Bitcoin wallet, every single crypto wallet uh, has to be linked to a person like that's the direction things are going in we've talked about esg a little bit we're going to be talking more about it but one of the elements of esg is governance and they want before institutional investors get involved with this stuff they want more regulation that makes it so that if you own bitcoin like you have your identity linked to it because as far as that doesn't happen as long as that's not a broad-based thing an argument could be made, oh, well, we don't know if dark, shadowy figures are doing stuff on the dark net and are doing bad things, even though, you know, Bitcoin's being phased out in the dark net for Monero. Uh, but that's going to be on their minds, and they're going to demand more and more regulation. And if the institutional powers want more regulation in regards to this, more control, uh, then that's what the people in power are going to do, either because they want more control over a competing money system or two, they own Bitcoin, they want the price to go up, and so they make that happen anyway. And you hear a lot of people, they're like, oh, well, the people in power, uh, they're going to be very much into Bitcoin, which means that they're going to be very nice to Bitcoin. Well, sure, they're going to be nice to Bitcoin and that they're going to tack on ridiculous amounts of regulation because they know that is what needs to happen in order for institutional money to come in. That's what Kevin O'Leary has talked about. He's like, yeah, you want trillions of dollars moving in the space? Make Bitcoin ESG compliant, and that'll make it done. Make all the miners environmentally friendly. We've talked about the problems with that, how that's going to centralize uh, Bitcoin mining and make it social and governmentally uh, appeasing to the institutional investors, which means making it more KYC, making it more compliant with AML restrictions. So, yes, this is definitely coming. Absolutely. Um, Well, let's just stop. Ah. So, yeah. Um, And then he copes, right? The way to avoid this scenario uh, is to raise a ruckus. Yeah, you do that. We need to act today. Yeah, you do that. I'm tagging every political voice I can. Oh, the desperation's kicking in. The more I read these tweets, my shot at Floyd is getting out of control. So, yeah, there's no political solution as we've talked about. Um, just opt out, guys. Just make it so that whatever you do with your money, whatever you do in finance, just doesn't exist. That should be the goal of everybody because they're not going to let up, guys. They're not going to give up control over the money. If you want to be outside of the system, make your money and your assets not exist. That's the only solution here. Okay? Pay your taxes. Make sure you comply with the laws. Caveat, caveat. But uh, don't exist. Become gray men. Okay? We're going into 1984. Like, 
head speed, right? Just we're plunging into an Orwellian world here. And the idea that we're not going to have KYC, the idea that we're not going to have the government who wants to know everything and surveil everything and taxi for everything, two data points you need to know. The government wants to know everything about what you're doing, who you are, and what you're doing with your money. And two, the government wants all of your money. They want your bodily autonomy, and they want your soul. <laughs> okay, you just understand those two data points. You're ahead of the curve. You're in a Monero. You see what's coming. This doesn't surprise you. So let's go to Jake here. This guy's waking up. He's stopping the coping. We love it. No, you don't need to call your reps. The political reality is it's out of our hands now. Yes. Yes. Give up control. Give it up. They're not going to be on your side. The politicians are long bought and sold by the banksters and the legacy financial system. So good to see some people are moving in a different direction. And some people are saying that, you know what? It could be that the crypto industry just messed up with privacy. All this stuff may be happening because, you know, we just weren't uh, that focused on privacy since day one. And because there is no privacy, mind you, or just very little of it, not as much as you would otherwise want, there is an industry which is cropping up around this. Uh, there's an industry which is going to be prominent for Bitcoin to determine the taint of Bitcoin, to determine where Bitcoins are coming from, to analyze the blockchain to make sure everybody's paying their taxes. I mean, there's going to be an entire industry which props up to analyze the blockchain and to gather data and information. And just to note, just to note, Michael Saylor's MicroStrategy is a data analytics and business intelligence firm that contracts with the U.S. government. Okay? So he works with the Department of Defense, the Department of State, TSA, and he likes Bitcoin a lot. And 20 years ago, he was pioneering technologies to implant a microchip in your brain, okay, and make it so that everybody could read each other's thoughts. How do you like that? Big privacy guy, right? Why does he like Bitcoin? I don't know. You tell me. Maybe he just wants to be rich. He seems to have some kind of God complex. We put a uh, video about Sailor the Savior, ASAP Spurg, on our uh, Odyssey, if you want to check that out. Pretty interesting guy, man, honestly. Uh, and I'm not trying to judge him for what he did 20 years ago. I'm all about forgiveness, but it doesn't look like he's changed too much. Uh, but yeah, let's get to this article. The crypto industry messed up with privacy. Indeed, they did. And, uh, y you know, I read this article. You know what's interesting? If we type in Monero to our control F box, you got Monero over here, which is not part of the article, and you have Monero down here, which is not part of the article. There's nothing about uh, Monero or Pirate Chain or Darrow or anything at all in this article. Uh, but, you know, you type in Bitcoin, there are about 85 links to Bitcoin in this article. So let's see what her solution is. Let's see what uh, she's thinking about in regards to this. It is vital to safeguard people's privacy as it is a sensitive aspect in everybody's day-to-day -day life. It is crucial to put forward necessary measures to protect one's privacy, which, based on recent reports, crypto failed to execute. Yes. Yes, they did. Data protection is a complex issue. Some would argue that confidentiality is not important. In general, it is more interesting to talk about controversial matters. So, the, Well, this is pretty controversial. Uh, so the limited argument against secrecy actually makes it a bit tedious to discuss and easy to take for granted. Uh, yes, you can fight by buying Monero. Ah, well, no. 
we have to educate people about things. Not about Monero, but we have to educate people about the lack of privacy of Bitcoin. So what's the solution? Well, let's see what she says. Unfortunately, this is actually the state of cryptocurrency. Uh, and there aren't enough people struggling to protect confidentiality. Jeez. Uh, there aren't enough people to... Who is this one? Has she heard of our channel? Maybe not. Um, and there are many great people doing work. Uh, the Crypto Vigilante, who we're going to be talking to soon. Um, uh, the Money Today Show. Uh, Kevin Wad. The people working on the Monero Project. Justin German guy, stuff for privacy. A lot of people warning about the importance of privacy in crypto. And luckily, more people are waking up to this stuff. So it's great. It's really great. I could list more people. Doug Tuman from Monero Talk. We could go on and on. There is indeed a lot of people talking about this. We just need to get more voices out there, and we need to be louder. When I first read the Bitcoin white paper in 2011, I fell in love with the vision of peer-to-peer electronic money system. Uh, most societies have physical cash, legal tender. So what is the physical equivalent to cash in a digital society? Uh, maybe she didn't get the memo. Bitcoin isn't about digital cash anymore. No, no, no. It's about digital gold, guys. It's a store of value. <laughs> That's what it's about. It, sell all of your gold, buy Bitcoin, and just hold it. That's the utility of it. Haven't you heard? Satoshi Nakamoto seems to have found an elegant answer. Uh, unfortunately, Satoshi's original idea failed in at least one area, and that was secrecy. Right. It's a big problem. When somebody exchanges a coin or bill for goods and services, the transaction is known only to the two parties involved. And, of course, the IRS. Uh, identification is required if the product or service is restricted to a specific age group. Also, if you give a woman $10 at a local farmer's market, she won't be able to ask you how much is left in your bank account. Right. So what she's indirectly saying here is if you buy something with Bitcoin, then they have your address and they could type in your address or copy and paste your address into a website like blockchain.com, which has been invested in by Google to the tens of millions of dollars. And you could figure out that person's balance and you could figure out all the transactions that they've made. Crazy, right? Can't even happen with today's financial instruments. So, however, transactions on the Bitcoin blockchain are very transparent. Uh, this means the amount, frequency, and balance of the transactions are open to everybody. Isn't it amazing that uh, there's like an awakening of this happening 12 years after Bitcoin came out and is now a thing? Like people are now starting to worry about this. Uh, this is a huge concern. Right, but it's good that people are now waking up to this. But um, that's how much a meme can have power to the influence of the adoption of something, which is why I always say we got to get working on the memes, we got to get working on the marketing. Very, very important because people will buy into something before they even know what it is, and people think they know what Bitcoin is. But when people figure out about this kind of stuff, I think most people are shocked. And if they aren't shocked, they just have no idea the implications of what all this could mean. And there was an interesting statistic that I would written down. 21% of Ukraine crypto investors don't know what they're invested in. So a lot of people just don't know. They're buying into the memes, uh, you know, because Bitcoin is first to market. It's what people typically associate with crypto. So, um, and of course, the problem with that is when people think of crypto, you know, the word crypto doesn't just mean cryptography. It also means secret, under the surface, uh, hidden in the shadows, right? 
And so people think it's by default private. That's just the nature of cryptocurrencies. Couldn't be further from the truth, actually, uh, which is why you need Monero. That's why we need to educate people. So uh, the Bitcoin white paper only devotes half a page to the subject of data protection with suggested solutions that don't always work as intended, especially for second generation blockchain based accounts like Ethereum. Yeah, and Ethereum is an account based model. It's less private than Bitcoin, which is crazy. Uh, there are user guides on how to achieve more privacy with Bitcoin, but these are very complex and usually recommend using tools that can be dangerous for users. <laughs> so I-, I was reading a Bitcoin Reddit post. And somebody had asked, because, again, more people are waking up to the privacy thing. Somebody was like, yeah, how, how do I make Bitcoin private? Because it seems like it's rather hard to do, actually. It's harder than I thought. And somebody's like, oh, it's easy, dude. All you got to do is you just got to, like, coin join it with Wasabi Wallet, send it through the Lightning Network, and then do around there. It comes on back. Maybe send it to a Samurai Wallet after that. Do a little coin join action there. Send it back through the Lightning Network. Have it come back to your wallet. Send it to another wallet. Send it to this wallet. Send it back to your wallet. Wait a couple days. Send it to another wallet again. Send it back, and then you're done. Boom. Private as can be. It's just like, dude, <laughs> or you could just buy Monero, <laughs> right? Uh, pretty wild, you know? There are so, and I suspect some, one thing that's going to be happening in the future is people are going to use Monero as a kind of layer two. People use Bitcoin anyway. They're going to atomically swap their Bitcoin into Monero, and they're going to then atomically swap back into Bitcoin. And that's going to be some way that you could wash out your bitcoin but it's going to become a concern on the behalf of the monero bros and it already is because the monero people especially with all the price action that's happened over the last year the people who are left know why they're in a monero and they get this stuff trust me uh they're ahead of the curve they understand the tainted problem so to go from bitcoin to monero and to make that move to wash out your bitcoin uh, it's going to be a huge premium you understand there's going to be a massive spread because I don't think that you're going to have many people going from Monero into Bitcoin. I think you're going to have a lot of people going from Bitcoin into Monero. There's going to be more demand for the Monero than there will be for the Bitcoin. Because Bitcoin's much easier to access. Maybe Monero is not. Does that make sense? Uh, and, you know, you can get Monero without having to necessarily go through a Bitcoin atomic swap thing. And, you know, buying. Uh, you know, just going through CakeWallet, for example, or going through TradeOgre, you can be sure that the Bitcoins that you're getting to get to Monero aren't tainted. Meanwhile, you know, uh, you don't know what is coming through the atomic swap line. You don't know if that Bitcoin is tainted. And, and again, you know, people doing atomic swaps from Monero to, you know, a public blockchain crypto, they're probably going to employ some data analytics firm to make sure the UTXOs that they're getting are clean. And at that point, a lot of Bitcoin bros are just going to stay in Monero. Like, they're not even going to go back into Bitcoin. They're not even going to wash it and come back out of the bathtub. They're just going to be like, you know what? I got my Monero. Sweet. I'm just going to keep it like this and just, you know, go shopping on the Amazon dark web. Who knows? But uh, that's something to consider. Uh, But yeah, it's pretty complex to keep your Bitcoin uh, anonymized. And even then, you're not entirely certain. So with Monero, with Pyrochain... With some of these other cryptos, you do have that certainty, which is nice. There are also several blockchain networks designed with standard data protection in mind, but most of them do not support more complex programmability, such as smart contracts. 
uh, Darrow, again, coming into the mix that enabled new applications with business logic and decentralized finance. Dude, there's going to be so much stuff built on Darrow. It's going to be ridiculous. Hopefully they come out soon. Again, I mean, there's just such a huge market for it right now with Solana centralization with Ethereum high gas prices, uh, with people demanding for privacy in DeFi. Oh my Lord, such a huge uh, potential there. Why has the blockchain community failed to make a top priority? Uh, privacy a top priority on the one hand confidentiality takes precedence over the other three priorities security decentralization and scalability uh debatable i think it's very important but uh arctic mine actually got into monero because it's more scalable than bitcoin he sees a major scalability problem with bitcoin um go check out that interview he gets into it there but nobody will argue that these three components are unimportant uh back to the article Another reason confidentiality is not a priority is that it is difficult to ensure it. Uh, maybe. In the past, secrecy tools like Evidence Without Evidence were slow and ineffective. And scaling it was hard work. Man, I mean, you could just say Monero and just say, hey, you know, this looks pretty cool, right? But the last reason perhaps is most worrying. There is a myth in the media that crypto transactions are completely anonymous. Anonymous. Yes, and this is very dangerous. People who think they're doing something in private when they're not, oof, that is not good. You are not. Uh, this means that many people are actively using cryptocurrencies under the illusion that their transactions are private. Yeah, not good. As tools for analyzing blockchain networks become more complex, the lack of anonymity increase, increases. And the anonymity is only going to diminish from here, as we said. Uh, you shouldn't expect more anonymity. And a lot of people are banking on the Lightning Network a lot of people are banking on the Liquid Network and other developments, Taproot. But I was talking to Anthony, the body anarchist, about this yesterday. He made a good point. He's like, yeah, don't rely on future technology to justify your current investment position. Because at that point, it's a gamble. Um, they've been working on the Lightning Network, guys, for you know, five, six years. Okay, Ethereum 2.0 has been in the works for a number of years now. Okay, So you want to go with something that works. And I know uh, Darrow is not on the main net yet. Uh, I say that somewhat hypocritically. Uh, Pirate Chain uh, is going to be undergoing an audit soon. Hopefully the code is all good there. Uh, all these things are experimental. But Monero has been tried and tested. Uh, it works in the real world. Uh, it's been audited many times. And people use it in real world economic circumstances and they've been using it for quite a number of years now it's proven its use case so that is something to consider uh when did data protection become important enough to be yeah we could read this article more but i think you guys get the uh trend here Interestingly enough, a friend of mine, back to the article, who's been working full-time in the crypto industry since 2015, recently asked me, is WTF a PriFi? So that's an interesting term, PriFi. Um, I've been saying private DeFi. Maybe PriFi is going to be the name for it. Somebody had also said DarkFi, I think, which sounds pretty cool. Spooky. Um, yeah, decentralized finance in the privacy sector is going to be huge. I mean, you've got Haven with their private stable coins, which again is a work in progress. They're working on Haven 2.0. Uh, 
they are going to be integrating with ThorChain. And you're going to have private stable coins, private X assets, exposure to gold, silver, Bitcoin, all private, assuming that everything works out properly. Let me caveat. Um, in decentralized exchange platforms. That's going to be absolutely huge. You're going to have, and you already have, Monero interlinked with the secret network, which is huge. You're going to have Haveno, which is a private decentralized peer-to-peer exchange which uses atomic swaps so that you can go from Monero to any other crypto. Totally private, totally peer-to-peer. Um, concealed network, wrapped R, you can get onto the Ethereum and Binance Smart Chain privately, private on-ramps to DeFi. I mean, this stuff is going to be huge, guys. I, I probably even missed a couple. Darrow, private smart contract, stuff is going to be built on top of there. Like, this is huge. And the private DeFi market right now is just so small. I mean, we went through this in the Darrow video. Darrow is worth about $180 million, okay? The entire smart contract market is priced at about $800 billion, okay? There's so much potential. Oh my goodness, there's so much potential. And people are waking up. It looks like we're in the right positions, guys. Let's just pray that all of these projects, Haven, Pirate Chain, and uh, Darrow, all come out as anticipated. All are successful. Um, Let's hope that happens because if that's the case, uh, that's good for everybody. It really is good for everybody. The first step is more education, which is what we're doing. Um, The next step is to simplify privacy. Yeah, and no mention, of course, of Monero, which is literally like you buy it, you're off the grid, plug and play. Now there's some OPSEC you probably want to do. Maybe send it to another wallet, send it back to yourself, churn it a little bit, um, and you know make sure your IP doesn't get caught up in all that stuff. But even then, uh, you're basically off the system and you're good if you get into this stuff and you just take it back to your wallet. Make sure, make sure, make sure you take your Monero off the exchanges, guys. I keep forgetting to put that at the beginning of my videos. Maybe I'll make it like a you know mandatory little clip. Take your Monero off the exchanges. Yes, take your Monero off the exchanges uh, so that the exchanges don't have it and do funny stuff with it, right? But uh, yeah, they make it pretty simple. And then the final step is to protect privacy, uh, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, so pretty cool stuff. And another thing happening with quote-unquote private DeFi is Xano. And this is still a project in the works. Uh, Caveat there, disclaimer. But they're working on having proof of stake with confidential transactions. And this was a paper, a report that was worked on by Coey. And I think Coey is one of the main people working on Seraphis for Monero. And this is going to be researched and peer-reviewed by Serang, who's another well-respected PhD uh, cryptographer who has worked a lot on Monero. So Xano is going to be pretty interesting if they succeed in that. They're already... Uh, pretty far along with multi-sig addresses. Um, they're pretty efficient with what I've uh, experienced with them. And very few people are paying attention to this project, but I check it out because if they succeed in doing proof of stake with Ring CT, that's going to be very novel. And I think that's going to be groundbreaking for privacy. And it's going to be great for you know private DeFi. You can stake your coins privately. Nobody knows about it. And uh yeah, good things to come there. But that's that's about it. Let's check on Trader. Let's see how things are going.
Darrow's been up recently a little bit. Looks like it's dipping back down. Looks like the whole space is dipping a little bit, but we've had some good energy coming to the space. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I think people are waking up to this, guys. I think we're still very early. Um, people are going to figure this out, and it's going to be very exciting. I think we're in a very exciting time. The second great crypto awakening is upon us. And when people start to really flood into the privacy sector, that's when things get really interesting. Um, because I don't think that there's much of any way the governments can control this other than just to just outright ban this stuff. But even if they do that, who knows what kind of creative energy that's going to spur to then further uh, innovate in this space. So very interesting time we live in um, for many, many reasons. And I am so happy that you all are part of this with me to experience this. More Bitcoin bros are waking up. More people in different industries are waking up. And this is fantastic to see. So tell the people you know, educate people yourself. Shout out to all the people who are getting business owners to adopt Monero. Uh, I've been seeing more people do that. That's just fantastic stuff, man. That's exactly what we need. Uh, and also, guys, get some stickers. Stick this stuff around everywhere. I have uh, these for my patrons. I still haven't had my patrons hit me up to send to have me send them stickers. Maybe it's because they don't want me to have their address, which makes sense. But guys, if you're a patron, send me a message. I will send you some stickers. I would love to send you some stickers. Um, and yeah, if you're not a patron already, join on up. Uh, thank you to my patrons, Josh, uh, one of the first subscribers to the channel. We love Josh. Um, Ken, uh, Stewart, uh, Henrik, and... Lutz. How could I forget Lutz? My man. And so, yes, thank you to everyone supporting the channel. Thank you for everybody donating. Check us out on social media in the links below. And you guys have a wonderful weekend. God bless.